This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Dr. Sharon Celine. Dr. Celine is a clinical psychologist whose clinical expertise includes the diagnosis, treatment, and intervention of ADHD and ADD. And that's exactly what we'll be talking about today. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, I want to get right into this because we don't have a lot of time and we're all very busy these days, aren't we? Which is really the topic that we're talking about. It's like rushing around and also the idea of how do we as parents model a calmer, kind of more focused um, lifestyle at home when, in fact, our kids are zipping from one task to another, usually on social media. And then there are these kids who um, may be just energetic or they may actually have something going on like ADHD. So I'm wondering if you could help us out right at the start by giving us a definition of what is ADHD. Well, ADHD is the... It is the inability to self-regulate in terms of focus, concentration, and it's a biologically based disorder. And it usually um, reflects impairments in what we call executive functioning, things like um, being able to sequence, plan, control your emotions, control your behaviors, um, focus on one thing at a time. Hold on, Sharon. This sounds like adolescence. Yes, it does sound like adolescence, but it's actually something that kids struggle with sometimes from early, early on all the way through adulthood. And part of the reason um, that it sounds like adolescence is because during adolescence, the parts of the brain that are most um, sort of taxed and struggling to develop are the frontal lobes. And that's the location of all the executive functions. So the frontal lobes is like the executive functioning control center, um, which sounds kind of tricky, um, but it's important to understand that that part of your brain uh, helps you um, with thinking, judgment, self-perception, empathy, all of the things that we learn as we grow. And it doesn't really stop developing until the age of 25. So in kids who have ADHD, um, it actually takes up to three years longer to develop. So all kids have some aspects of ADHD at yeah. some time. They're impulsive, they're energetic, they um, have trouble concentrating. But in order to have a diagnosis of ADHD, you have to display those characteristics in more than one environment, at home, at school, at soccer, at swimming. It's something that happens all the time across the board, not just, you know, when your TV is taken away. Okay, so now I'm getting a broader view of what it is. And, and sometimes parents throw the term around. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then there is the whole, the whole school of thinking about um, medication. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of it where you hear about very successful people, very, very creative people who are now adults and often at the top of their field who say, well, they didn't call it then back, didn't call it ADHD back then, but I probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little confused about let it be, let mm-hmm. the kid develop or um, have some kind of therapeutic intervention. 
Well, I think the first thing, the most important thing is to get an accurate diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And when I say accurate, that means a diagnosis that it takes a complete history that looks at a child's functioning in a number of different areas that isn't just, here, check out this form, oh, yes, you have it, here's your medication. Mm -hmm. That is not an accurate diagnosis. An accurate mm -hmm. diagnosis should be done either um, by a pediatrician who does take a thorough history and has some forms that you fill out, a psychologist who could do a psycho psychological evaluation, a testing profile, or um, a psychologist who also, in conjunction with perhaps some testing, may just take a very thorough history and send some pe pencil and paper forms home, or a psychiatrist who will probably do all of the above, nice. um, but not the testing. Um, the most important thing is to have an accurate diagnosis. I can't tell you how frustrating it is for me to have people banty around the term ADHD when really it's a serious disorder. It's not something that people sort of ha carry around lightly. Um, in terms of medication, it's a very personal decision. ADHD has been shown to be a biologically based disorder that affects the neurotransmitters of dopamine and norepinephrine. And medications are available to target those uh, neurotransmitters and improve their passages through the brain and their availability so that kids with ADHD can function more effectively. But so, when, excuse me, I was going to just say, when I know that you work with teens. Yeah. And, and so what do you hear from them um, before meds and, you know, after? What are they actually saying to you about the difference of their experience? Right. It's so interesting. You know, some, most kids don't want to take the medication, um, mm -hmm. but uh, they, they end up um, tr will be willing to try it if they're unhappy or feel like they're mm -hmm. suffering enough and they can't get done what they want to get done. Mm -hmm. So uh, what they notice about themselves is that they often can focus better, mm -hmm. that they can get more things done. Like one kid said, it's like, I actually made a list of things to do and I got three things done from my list of five and, things. And that was unusual for unusual, that child. Unusual, really hmm. unusual. Or I um, I started reading and I made it through three pages. I couldn't read make it through a paragraph before. Wow. Or I am um, not arguing so much with my teachers because I'm able to control myself a little bit better. Um, most the most research shows that the best treatment for ADHD is a combination of medication and therapy, um, particularly therapy that involves the family. Okay, and what kind of therapy are we talking about? Uh, psychotherapy, usually some sort of cognitive behavioral therapy, mm -hmm. um, work with the family because a lot of times these executive functions, things like remembering to pick up your room, organizing, uh, remembering your dentist appointment, um, thinking that, oh gosh, I have to prioritize brushing my teeth before I prioritize um, you, and, you know, trying to watch television, whatever you, you, whatever the, the tasks are. These are skills that we have to learn and we depend on the adults in our lives to teach us. And since the statistics show that of kids who are diagnosed with ADHD, 50% have a parent who either has undiagnosed or diagnosed ADHD, focusing on building those skills is essential. Um, it's, it's, even, it's just as essential as, as taking medicine and in some cases more essential because if you take the pill, you still don't learn the skill. You're more mm -hmm. available 
um, but you don't have anyone teaching. And so schools and parents have to teach these skills to these kids. And I would imagine if you're getting this diagnosis and your child is maybe 13 or 14 years old, there's probably been a long family history of a lot of arguing about the unpicked up room and how many times do I have to tell you that you cannot play the video game until your homework is done, this kind of thing. Um, and so I mean, imagine there's a lot of unlearning to be done. There's a lot of unlearning to be done. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of uh, behavioral patterns in families of conflict and over-engagement, uh, which, which create so much animosity and resentment that have to be unlearned. And part of that unlearning is helping the families with the child's participation in figuring out what the child wants to be able to be responsible for and can readily learn to be responsible for quickly, and then what the child needs more help learning to be responsible for. I see. So really most, most teenagers with or without ADHD aren't particularly organized <laughs> or right. neat. Um, but when kids are disorganized to the point that they can't find their homework, that they can't remember their homework, that they don't know what they did with the paper that they wrote, then we're, we're talking about a much more serious level of, um, of impairment than, mm -hmm. oh, God, my room is a pig, sty. So if there's one thing, Sharon, that you could tell parents about um, how to be more encouraging to their kids who have ADHD, what would that be? Well, I think it's really important to see the strengths of your child. Every child has them. And to figure out with your child what your child likes to do and is good at. And then amplify that, amplify it, amplify it. Because there are many things in the life of an ADHD child that put them down, make them feel bad about themselves, and are hard. And it's great for all of us but especially for kids who have to get through school, which is a little bit of drudgery for those kids. Actually, a lot of times, a lot of drudgery because they have to follow rules. They have to be contained. They have to, you know, constantly deal with it. They, they can't figure out how to write a paper or how to um, succeed academically. To have things in their lives that they're really good at, art, soccer, um, ice skating, fencing, and to have to feel like they can develop that, to, to, to have a strength that they feel really good about. And, and that's what I would really encourage parents to work on nurturing in their children and in noticing. And the other thing that I would want to say is that praise is important. You know, there's a lot of controversy about, you know, the benefits of praise and the detriments of praise. But I haven't seen in 25 years of doing family therapy a kid who isn't happy to hear when he or she has done something well. And it specifically um, when they've done something that you can name. Like, I really like how you put the napkins in the glasses tonight for dinner. That was really creative. Thanks for doing that. Or, you know, I never thought of stacking your shoes vertically in your closet. What a great idea. You know, <laughs> even though you know as an adult that the tower's going to fall as soon as they take the shoe from the middle. But to really appreciate their attempts at innovation and doing things with their own flavor. So it, to make praise as specific as possible for something that you can try to get a kick out of. It's great. I love these these suggestions. They're really practical, and and I really feel that they would in, encourage a kid in more in the direction of I'm good at something than I'm not good at anything. 
Exactly. And that is the thing that we most want for these kids because there's a lot of shame that happens in school and socially because they miss things. They just miss things because of how the patterns of their inattention. And so to have a sense that they actually are getting something and getting it right is so very important. That's great. We only have a couple more minutes, Sharon, but I wanted to make sure that you gave our listeners and viewers an opportunity to, to find out where they can go to get more information about, about your work. Thank you so much. I have a website. It's www.drsharonceline.com, and it's dr. Um, I also want to say that Edward Hallowell has a wonderful website about ADHD um, that he puts out. Thomas Brown has a very good website as well. I think um, there's also Attitude Magazine, A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E, um, and these are all things that you can get online that come into your box with a newsletter with information about what's happening and um, and also ideas for parenting and different topics. Um, I write a monthly blog and I encourage people to sign up for that. Um, so thank you for asking about that. Absolutely. Because, you know, when a child has ADHD, the whole family is affected by it. Yes. And the more we can work together as, as a team, as a, as a family unit to help that child, I'm sure the more progress he or she will make. It's essential. And I think that actually my own belief is that when a child has ADHD, the family has ADHD in a way for a while until the child feels like he or she is driving the car of ADHD. And what I mean by that is that you know sometimes a diagnosis feels like it's driving you. And when you learn the skills and you have the support and the scaffolding to manage your diagnosis, then you're driving the car and you can make more choices. And that's what I would really wish for most families who are struggling with this or trying to figure it out, that they can access the ability to make more choices with this, with this scaffolding and support in place. It's all about empowerment there, too. I, yes, I, exactly. I re- really appreciate that point of view. Thanks so much, Sharon. Um, Thank you. It's, it's, it's been really helpful, and I, I know people will find this um, um, something that they've been missing. When, when they get that diagnosis, sometimes it can be kind of scary, and you've given mm-hmm. them some really good tips of, of their next best steps. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Bye. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with parents, tweens, and teens, visit AnnieFox.com. Check out my new book, The Girls' Q&A Book on Friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. It's now available in print and for Kindle. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Eggplant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next week when my guest will be Anne Livingston author of Talking Digital, a parent's guide for teaching kids how to share smart and stay safe online. Until then, happy parenting. 